0: and all that. They, they do a great job as well. Let's give them a, a big, big thank you. So yeah, we, we appreciate all the all the workers and the volunteers that we have and right now as we speak there's a whole army of people cooking about 5 million meatballs for dinner. And uh, I've been out there to have an inspection of the process and it looks authentic to me. It is real meat. But tonight I want to speak on uh, a subject that that I think is vital for all of us to hear. But I'm calling it the process of God's preparation. Um, And the first scripture we have is from Ephesians 1, uh, verses 19 to 20. That can go up right now. But I had a a personal encounter with God, I guess, a new revelation, which is what I I love about God is that it doesn't matter how long you've known Him uh, or how long you've been going to church, how long you've been a believer... You always have these moments where suddenly you realize things that maybe you might have realized before and you've forgotten or it's all brand new. And sometimes uh, we need to be pursuing after God for some brand new things. But over Easter, I had a, a, a new moment, I guess a revelation moment of the power of God that is available to the church, which is available to you, available to people today, who believe, available to believers. And in particular, um, this verse that is up there on the screen right now, it woke something in me that I want to try and and, uh, transfer to people here tonight. And it's up there, it says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So if I can bring your attention or bring our attention to the two words, maybe there's more than two words, but this same power, that's three. This same mighty power, that's four, that raised Christ from the dead for us who believe. Someone get excited here. So you're thinking Jesus was crucified. Jesus was basically murdered. He's he's dead. And he's dead for three days. But there's a mighty power from heaven that came and touched his body that raised him from the dead. You're thinking, wow, that's pretty amazing. Is that just a fairy tale? No, it's not. It's the truth of the gospel. And then the, the whole thing here is it says this same power that raised Christ from the dead. This same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. So you're thinking, oh, I feel like I, 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 I'm confused. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Apply that to your confusion. You're thinking, I'm oh, feeling lonely, I'm feeling depressed. Apply that same mighty power to those things, for those who believe. See, I'm here to motivate you to get to grips with the Holy Spirit and immerse yourself in the faith that you believe. So tonight, my whole my whole thing is going to be sort of like going everywhere because you know you know it's not that easy to preach. And and my mind is, if you look at my desk, it's like. And I think that represents how I think. And it's like, you know, there's no straight stream usually. It's like all messed up. But I want to try and uh, filter in tonight some things that hopefully you're able to grasp and take home with you and it'll make a change in your life. But we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the church. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the church to affect the kind of uh, the kind of things that God wants His church to do. So we can't do it by just good ideas. We can't do it by, by creativity alone. We've got to make a difference in the world in which we live in by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's so good to be in a church that's, that's awake today. So we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the, in the church to affect the kind of things that God sees. Because God sees what we can't see. God knows what we can't know. And He wants us to be the agents of those things. And He wants to put, he wants to put um, I call them revelations in our heart. Things that they are like light bulb moments that no one else has ever thought of before. And that's why I get, so, I get so passionate because I'm thinking God hasn't finished with us yet. And we should never be going, well, I've, I, I've seen it all. I know it all. I, I know what to expect from church. You know what? We've got to start to say, God, I want to move, move into that place of not knowing what's going to happen next. See, Jesus operated as a man on earth. He was bound by the same mortality. He was bound by the same mortalness. That means human, human, humanity, humanness. It means earthly. It means bodily. He was bound by those same things that we have, just like us. Yet, to be effective as he was in defeating all the devil's schemes, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the the power that was at work work in his living body to defeat the power of the devil and his temptations. See, we need to be in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit needs to be in us. And I believe that's the answer for the church of the modern era is that we need to be a Holy Spirit-believing church, a Holy Spirit-filled church, a Holy Spirit-operating church. So we need, to, uh, we need to familiarize ourselves with the Holy Spirit. We need to know the difference between the Holy Spirit and a deceiving spirit. Because sometimes they can look and sound very similar. But if we're not used to handling the things of the Spirit, we'll be deceived by every weird thing. And so, you know, I, I say it, you know, tongue in cheek, but sometimes people have attributed things to the Holy Spirit just because it's weird think, oh, that church has got weird stuff. Oh, they're a Holy Spirit church. Don't blame the Holy Spirit for stuff that's just people being weird. We don't want weirdness. We want the power of the Holy Spirit. See, there's a spiritual contest for life every day. We're not living it all by ourselves. You might think, well, you know, life is just here, just me and... And, and Jesus, but we're not living it all by ourselves. It, it sounds pretty spooky, but it's true. There is a spiritual contest for life every day. It's the force of darkness and the force of light. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna come into that contest every single day of your life. No matter who you are or how experienced you think you are, you'll have that contest that wants to get your attention off from God and onto something else. So we're going to be looking at Jesus and his... Preparation for the ministry, the 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 process that Jesus went through that prepared him for his call and his time on earth. And for some of us tonight, it's going to explain where you are, where you're at right now, and perhaps where you're in that process of God's preparation. Because God wants a church that is prepared and active and, and uh, productive. And I can't think of anything else that rhymes with that, so that'll do. Luke 3, uh, 3, verses 21 and 22. So I've just sort of cut off the last bit of verse 21 and started with the first bit of verse 22. It says, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. There's a whole lot of things we're going to pull out of there tonight. But one of the things I want, I want to encourage every single person, if you're if you're wanting to pursue after God and you're wanting God to use you, then you've got to learn to discipline yourself in the simple art of prayer. You think, well, I don't know how to pray. It's okay. If you can talk, you can pray. Thank you. The other, the other thing that I think if you couple with your prayer is the Word of God. So if you pray according to what the Word of God says, you're going to start to see that your prayers actually start to work. Because God, this is, this is something you need to remember, God will always honour what His Word says. So you can be praying for all kinds of stuff, but you know what, if you're saying, God, I want, to, I want my life to live up to what Your Word says about me, then you're going to see those prayers are going to be answered not all about the red Ferrari although that would be nice so Jesus himself was baptized and as as he was praying the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove see when Jesus was baptized the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove now you know I, I just think it was like like a dove a bird came down physically I don't know why it was a dove not it, it wouldn't Sounded much better if an eagle came down. Something more majestic. But it was a dove. See, and that sign was that Jesus was now operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and rested upon Him. And Jesus was baptized. There's another point for you. Jesus was baptized. So partway along the journey of your preparation... You need to consider whether you should be baptised. I believe every believer should be baptised. Because it's a, it was a public declaration of Jesus' commitment to God. And as a grown man, as an adult, he initiated the example of obedience for us to follow. Baptism is, a pub, is, is public news. Our life has a new purpose and we believe in Jesus. It's a public declaration to the whole world. And you know, if Jesus was baptized and at that point the Holy Spirit came upon him, then I believe that we need to make those those conscious decisions to say, Jesus, I'm yours and I want to follow you. The next verse we see, uh, verse 23, it says that Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Now, Whether you're younger than that or older than that is not really the point here. But Jesus began his public ministry after he was baptized and the Spirit was identified upon his life. And we need to realize that that it's really not, that to me is not that important about his age. But what is important, that he was identified as having the Holy Spirit upon him before his public ministry began. So we ought to be careful as a church in promoting people to ministry, ensuring that they're in the Spirit. If Jesus needed to be, then so do we even more. So Jesus had to be filled with the Spirit. He had to have that operation of the Holy Spirit upon Him to do the public ministry. And some here tonight, you're going to get something on you. You're going to have the Holy Spirit come upon you and you won't be the same again. You're going to know that there's something changed, that when you know, I, believe, I believe it's impossible to read the Bible in its fullness and to get the real meaning behind every story without that enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. You'd be thinking, well, I can see the story, but you know, you don't know the story in the story. I've read the Bible for the last probably 30 years, and every time I read it, I see there's something I never saw before, but I've read the story. But there's those those tiny things, those subtle things that the illumination of the Holy Spirit, as I read, just says, that's what, that's what I want you to see today. And you can read it for a hundred years and you'll find that there's still something new, something fresh, something alive. You need the illumination of the Holy Spirit to get to that. Where are we up to? So tonight I want you to begin and believe for a new experience that changes everything you've ever expected from God. Because I want you to start to believe and start to think right now that you're in the process of God's preparation. You're in the process of God's preparation. And uh, you you might think, well, God, you sent Jesus as a baby. Maybe by the time he was 14 or 15, he could have been in his ministry right then. Just get it over and done with. Get Get him out there. And we we should never be too eager to uh, pursue after things uh, before our time. But we need to go through a process where you say, God, prepare me, grow me, develop me, make me ready for that moment. And Jesus, it, it was 30 years in the process for Jesus before his public ministry began. Luke 4 verse 1, if we move on, it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. It said he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Verse 2 goes on, it says, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. So I want to give you another key here. First key, I believe, is everybody needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit on your journey of preparation for God to do something with your life the next the next place that you'll go to so you might go from an incredible spiritual experience where you have this this moment where you feel the presence of God so strong you, you may begin to speak in tongues that's that's an evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life you may you may begin to um, have have just ideas that you've never had before. You might have um, you know, a new love for other people, a new passion for the things of God. All these different things can come upon you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So you have this incredible moment of, of a high, for, bent, for, for want of a better word. And the next thing that happens is here, Jesus has just been baptised. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the, the sign of God has been you know, hovered down on his head. And a voice from heaven even speaks, saying, this is my son. I'm very well pleased with him. He goes from that. He returns back from the Jordan River where he's just been baptized and he's led to the wilderness. No, you got it all wrong, God. You should have said he was led to the palace and he spoke to the king with all the authority of God. No, God takes him away from people. It says in verse 2 where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Now, what I call this is the isolation, the separation component of preparation. So suddenly you find yourself. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You've had an incredible encounters with God. You go to church. You're just feeling so close to God. You, you have these experiences in worship, um, you know, in the prayer meeting. You're just thinking, "Wow, you know, I'm just uh, just praying like I can't believe I'm just experiencing things, and 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 uh, everything just seems to be so incredible and fresh and lively." And then you suddenly find yourself, and nobody seems to understand you, or you're not noticed. And it's in this season that your decision to believe is tested. See, friends will be scarce at these times. Suddenly, your friends are gone. Your family will change on you. Your workmates will treat you differently. You fu- suddenly find yourself, well, I'm having this incredible journey with God, and yet suddenly, people who you've relied on, people who've been your friends, people who've been your the, you know maybe even your rock, as we say these days in your life, suddenly they're like, Maybe they're not even being nasty. They're just like, just not available. They're just not there anymore at that, at that place where they once were. And although people could be around you, it feels like nobody is really with you. Even if you're married, if you have a husband or a wife, it's like they just don't get it anymore. Not, they're not there where they once were in my life. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So the process of God's preparation includes separation. That separation develops two things in your life. You need to understand these things because otherwise you'll start getting all weird and start thinking, well, God, where are all my friends right now? Where's all all my family right now when I need them? I'm experiencing some incredible things with God, but now suddenly all these relationships around me are just going haywire. They're just not working anymore for me. So the two things that, that you need to go through this separation time is, number one, to develop a new level of communication with God because there's nobody else to turn to. So you can't go back to mum anymore and say, hey mum, can I have 20 bucks? Because she'll be saying no. Suddenly that tap's turned off. And the second thing is to develop a new level of trust in his word because there'll be nothing else to follow. There'll be nobody else to ask. You're just going to have to dig into the Word and say, well, God, what do you want me to do right now? Because without that season of separation, it's too easy to be saying, well, what do you think? Am I good? You like me? Are you still my friend? And so we need to have some of these things separated. It hurts, but it's part of God's preparation process. In separation, God is doing a great part of your preparation. See, God is interested in who you are when nobody else is looking. God's interested in you when nobody else is looking. You might be thinking, well, no one else is here. It's two o'clock in the morning. I might sneak a peek at some things on the internet. God is interested in you when nobody else is looking. God is interested when, when, when you might be thinking, well, I'll just sneak out and do some of the things that, that, that I've always done, and, and it doesn't really matter because it's just me. It's not hurting anybody else. See, when you think it doesn't matter, it matters. And the key is to be consistent with the call of God when nobody else is around. When you think it doesn't matter... You've got to be consistent with the call of God. So you've got to say to yourself, if you're a man, I'm a man of God and I'm going to be consistent to what God wants of my life. So I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to be sidetracked. I'm not going to go down those areas that are going to take me down a path that where I end up, I won't want to be. If you're a woman, the same thing. It gets to Luke 14. not Luke 4.14 says, then Jesus returned to Galilee. So he's, he's been to Jordan. He's been baptized. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's gone into uh, the, the wilderness. He's been in the separation. Now he's coming back. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And re- reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. You know something? Wouldn't that be a great reputation for, for, for your life, for, for Derek MacDonald, where people saying he's so full of the Holy Spirit, and everyone around White Flat is, is, is uh, hearing, and the word is spreading quickly through the whole region? Or Isaac Telfer, or Roxanne Calvary, saying, and, and they were so full of the Holy Spirit, the word about what was happening in their life spread quickly through the whole region. Back to, where, back to where he started, basically, this, this verse is talking about. Back to Galilee, his hometown, even. So God will take you through a place of experience with him, take you through wilderness experience or separation experience. Next thing, he'll take you back to where you started. You're thinking, no, well, I want to go to LA, God, not, not, back, to, not back to where I came from i want to go to where I can be famous. Oh, yes, Lord. You think I'm joking. In the process of God's preparation, God will take you back to places and people of familiarity in your life. And there's a good reason why that happens. Now, now, I don't want us to take this so literal as in, well, I have to go back to where I was born. I'm not saying that far. But I'm saying he wants to take you back to the place where, where things are normal, where you, you, you might have a normal job, you're surrounded by, by people. Because, I, I mean, I would love it if God would just, would just promote me to a mountaintop somewhere where I live all by myself in a log cabin and just me and Jesus and no one else to worry about. I reckon I'd be an awesome Christian there. I would have so much faith. I would have, I would have not a care in the world. Just go and drink from the stream eat mushrooms and lettuce (laughs) and lentils. But in the process of God's preparation, God will take you back to the places and people of familiarity. This is about checking our heart. In the wilderness, it's easy to trust God and, and learn to trust God because there's nobody else around. So we're saying, God, I've just got to trust you. And you know, even as a pastor, there's been times where early in my my, particularly in my time here, there were people in my life where I'd say, Well, I've got this person I can talk to and say, I don't know what to do. Help me. And I and I'd go go to different people. Uh, there, was, there was about three men in my life then who, who I could go to and say, Hey, I, I've got questions, I don't know what to do. And they'd tell me, Well, well, here, here you go. But slowly but surely, God took me through a journey through the wilderness where suddenly they were no longer there. And I had to start relying on the voice of God, start to say, "Well God, what do you want me to do now?" Because the people who I could rely on they're no longer there. Things had changed. But this, this next part is about checking our heart. Getting back to civilisa- back to civilization, back to the familiar of where we came from, checks our conviction to God. The process of our preparation, is going back to where we came from. Will you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit above the voices of your friends? That's what that place is all about. It, it'll put you back into the environment, maybe back into a work environment, maybe back into a family environment again. You know, all those things that had changed earlier, well, now God puts you back and all the, all the voices start coming back again. We hear the the voice of the Holy Spirit above the voices of your friends. And the challenge this is the challenge of allegiance. Do we fall back into old habits? Go back to things that we've had in the past? Back into past friendships? Fall back into past occupations that will erode our trust in God? And we must live among our community, but with God as security. And we've got to learn how to do that because it's easy to trust God in the wilderness. You know, I was trusting God for every day just for a piece of bread and and He kept feeding me and I I could trust God then. But when it all changed and I went back to normal, then I trusted the company. I, I trusted the family. I trusted my own ability. But God wants to take you back to that place where everything's normal again because He wants to check your allegiance. Because, you you know, it's great to be blessed. It's great to have people around you. It's great to have lots of friends. It's great to have a secure job. Those things aren't a curse. They're a blessing. But you've got to say, God, among all that, I still have my securities found in you above all else. In the surrounding of the familiar, you define the ministry and your calling. And many people avoid that station. But don't be afraid of it. Use it to redefine your future. And to make an influence on other people for the better. And I don't want us to get lost in the process of God's preparation that we miss the point of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to bring it all back again to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we think, well, I'm I'm on the preparation journey. I want God to use me. I'm going to do all these things. And I want to do everything just right. But without the element of the Holy Spirit being the, the, uh, the power within you, you're never going to be effective for the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 and 15, moving on. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. See, the people in Samaria, they believed but weren't filled with the power. So it is possible to say, oh, I've accepted the story of Jesus. Maybe you've grown up where you've heard the story of Jesus and you think you've never had a problem believing. That's never been an issue. But what, but what has, has been separated from your life is the power of God that He wants you to live with. And that comes through the Holy Spirit upon you. See, the Holy Spirit baptism is not an optional accessory. I remember as a teenager going through a a series, not a series, a season I should say in my life, where I was trying out all the accessories that you could have. Like cigarettes. And weird hairdos. And tight pants. All the things that were in fashion then, they are all accessories. But you know... The Holy Spirit to a believer is not an accessory that you think, well, you can add this bit if you feel like it, but it's vital to to your future. It's vital to fulfilling everything that God put in you. See, it's the power of God to affect spiritual process, to affect the spiritual progress in everything you do. So to be effective in carrying out the ministry that God has for you, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to have that descending of the Holy Spirit upon you. So that descending might come upon you and you might think, well, I don't want to have a wilderness. I don't want to have a separation. I don't want to have all those things. You know, what the whole thing about it is the Holy Spirit will leave you wherever you want to stop. If you want to stop at the place of, wow, that was awesome, I had a great baptism, now I'm just going to stay here, I love it. I'm going to stay in the Jordan. Stay. See, what what Jesus did and what the Holy Spirit does in us today is he, he calls us and then he walks. And if we're wise, we'll follow. If we're wise, we'll say, Jesus, where are you taking me? I want to be in step with where you're going. I don't want to stay in the Jordan. I don't want to stay in the wilderness. I don't want to stay in Galilee. I want to continue the process of growing and changing and developing and fulfilling something. So the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe, as we saw in Ephesians 1, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is working and is alive in me. Is working and alive in you. This Easter, when I, when I was thinking about the Easter story, and I, I was reading, reading about the resurrection, and I, I stumbled across this scripture, and I just thought, that same power that raised Christ from the dead is now working in us. Is alive in me. See, everything began to change in me. And I've been a Christian for I don't know how long. I'm 34 now. Got saved when I was 10. You work it out. But everything began to change in me. And I started to get a new a, a, a new understanding, a new a new spirit of of revival within me. And I started to start to push out the limitations that that the enemy's trying to say well no no don't go too far that's that's all you can believe for that's that's the history and I'm starting to say god that same power and when I'm praying I'm getting down I've I've had a new passion for prayer coming upon me god's starting to give me ideas that I've never had before and I'm starting to say well god we can do that we can do that lots of things that that, that I'm not a very creative person but suddenly god's given me creativity and I'm able to I'm able I actually went this week to to these design architects and said, here, I've got a design, draw this. That's a miracle. But that's what God wants to do. See, there's things that that God will put in you. There'll be computer designs that God will give you. There's designs for engines. There's designs for machinery. There's designs for farm things. (laughs) God, give me a design for real... Simple, easy machine gun. It'll save me a lot of trouble. But I tell you, everything changes in the church when the church is in the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we I'm sick and tired of a pussy wussy church. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear things like, "Well, we're we're too busy." You know what it's like. No, I don't know what it's like because we've, we've got the best, the, the most important thing you have is to pursue the purpose of God. And whether you like it or not, that starts in your local church. So we've got to be, we've got to be saying, God, we want to lift to the highest high. We want to complete the task. See, there is authority. There's grace. There's favour. There's supply there's miracles, there's healings, there's unity, there's direction, and there's purpose in the church that is baptised in the Holy Spirit. Why don't you stand to your feet right now, and we're going to get excited here today. Acts 9 verse 31. It says this, that the church, Acts 9 verse 31, you need to remember this scripture, it says, the church had peace, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, grew in numbers and I tell you something a sign that the Holy Spirit is in the church is that it is a growing church you know what there is no there is no such thing as a Holy Spirit church it stays where it is that says we've been we've been treading water for the nine, 19 years we've been seeing the same thing some people come some people go but it basically never changes that is not what the Holy Spirit wants from us and as, as uh, Josh mentioned today, to be a growing church, we just need to be a church that brings people. Because people need to know the message of Jesus Christ in all its fullness. People need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. People need to have all the, all the lies, all the deception, all the heaviness <laughs> lifted off them. And that's what the church is here to do. And I want to lay hands on people today to receive the Holy Spirit. You might be thinking, well... I'm not sure about all this, you know something. This is what amazes me. Some people get around preaching that the Holy Spirit was just for the early church. Well, you know that the same way that people got born again in those days by confessing Jesus Christ hasn't changed. That didn't change. So we say, well, we still believe that to to be, to be a believer you need to confess your sins and ask Jesus to, into your life and and, and confess Christ and that, and then you'll be saved. That didn't change but then they say they say but but we don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't make sense. But what I know is that the Holy Spirit has an appointment with some people here tonight. And you might be thinking, well, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at youth camp in 1975. You know what? That's nice. But if that hasn't propelled you If that hasn't taken you on those steps, then you just stayed in the glory and said, I'm sitting in the river. I'm comfortable here, Jesus. I'm going to stay with the the dove on my head. And it's time and it's never too late. You need to say, oh, Jesus, you know what? I got it wrong. I just love. And, you know, it, it, it irks me when people say, we just go to the church for the glory time. All oh, just the, uh, the days when it was just so amazing. And we just had the glory of God in the church. That's just living in that place of the Jordan. You've got to say, Jesus, oh, lead me. Take me out of the, the baptism moment and take me into the places of your preparation. You say, Jesus, see my heart, I just want to move forward with you. And we're going to pray for people right now. Just before we do, I want us to believe for supernatural moments here tonight. If you can just have that song ready there, Karen, for me. We're going to to listen to a song. And I'm going to ask people as that plays, as a song plays through that you can't and, and I want to pray with you, and I'll ask some of the team, Pastor Kylie, Pastor Pauline, uh, Josh, Pastor Michael, um, we're going to pray with you tonight. We're going to believe for something to happen. Now, you might not feel a warm, tingly feeling. It's not about that, because things of the Spirit aren't tingles. Maybe you'll feel something. Maybe you won't. But what I can guarantee, it's something you've got to receive by faith and say, Jesus... Take me on that journey. And you'll see some of those things that I described tonight will be happening. And you, you don't have to be freaked out and say, oh, all my friends are gone. Jesus. You say, God, help me through this moment to trust in you. And maybe you've been here and you're thinking, I never realized that. And now I'm starting to understand what's, what, went, what went on in my life. Where all those, all those friends that I had suddenly weren't there. And where that happened and that happened. Then you were leading me here and there. And say, Jesus, you might want to just come forward and say, God, I, I want to be in that journey still. I want you to take me to completion. I want you to finish what you started in my life. Because, you know, here tonight, there's, there's evangelists. Here tonight, there, there, are, there are people who are going to see miracles happen when they pray for people. There are people here tonight that are, that are going to be pastors of great churches. There are people here tonight who are going to who are, who are write songs draw buildings they're going to do all sorts of things with the inspiration of the holy spirit that starts here tonight in their life i want to give you one last example tonight next chapter 8 verse 39 it's the story of philip it's okay for you to stand it's the story of philip and it says that he was led by this by the spirit to, to to such and such a road and while he was there he sees this guy in a in a chariot and he goes over and it's a it's a high government official from Ethiopia and in the end anyway he he tells this guy about the the gospel of Jesus and he accepts Jesus he gets baptized they see water and this this Ethiopian says there's some water why can't I be baptized so so Philip says okay I'll baptize you so he baptizes this man and it says as soon as they came up out of the water, it says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I can't remember the exact words, so I don't know if I wrote it down, snatched him away by the Spirit. Now we need to have some snatched away by the Spirit moments. Now I don't know whether you're going to do that transportation, but they can be, they can be in other ways. I mean, that messes with my head. I mean, I would love that. Hey, okay, I'm finished now. The Holy Spirit snatches me away. And I end up in LA being famous. Hi, guys. I was just in Port Lincoln. Now I'm here. Hey, I've pinched their microphone. But you know something? The church that, that gives itself to the things of God will see that kind of stuff again. And we're thinking, oh, well, it's all about the pastor. He should preach better. Oh, we should have better programs. We should have be, be more organized. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's great. But we need the Holy Spirit for the supernatural. Can we have that song play, please, Karen? And I just want you to open your heart. You, you know, the words aren't going to be on the, on, on the thing here. But, you know, just open your heart and, and I want you to respond. Because I love you and God loves you, and the Holy Spirit wants to empower you today. So, why don't you come as we hear this song? If we can just turn the lights down a bit too, Paul, uh, John.